You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So I want to talk about Shomrim and see, as I said, um, specifically one part of Hilcha Shomrim, where I think we're going to find something that s- seems to be out of whack. And the only way one can explain it, I'm already telling you in advance, is if one sees here Mishpat Tzedek Shefaloki. Remember, it's an easy thing to do with Ritzichot. One could say, well, on an ultimate, if, if people wouldn't be so angry and, and, and wanting to kill each other, you're right, we shouldn't take a person's life unless the guy did the action with complete, complete malice, uh, without any question that he, that he said, there was no question that he was acting uh, just out of rash anger. He was acting out of, you know, because we're talking about putting someone to death. Um, however, here, I think we're not really talking about life and death. We're talking about paying money. And I'll, I'll show you what I mean. This is going to be, this is going to sound uh, somewhat of a review to those who are familiar, but I, I, if, if you just allow me, I think we need to see the whole picture to understand it. So we know there's something called the four shomrim. Now, here's the first one. It's in Shemos Chavbet, Chavbez, Vav. So he's your friend. You trust him. He is someone who is going to um, guard and protect your items. What happens? Gunav mi And they are stolen. So you gave it to him in his house and they were stolen. The Torah says that if you're fine, the Ganav, then that Ganav should pay Shnayim, or it's called Shnayim, which we call Kefel, which is double. And this is where we see that a Ganav, a person who's a sneak thief, who's caught with the goods, has to, has to pay double. He can't just make up what he stole. However, the Torah says that in Loyimotzei a Ganav, but let's say Columbo shows up, or Charlie Chan, whatever detective that shows up. And there's, look, Shoimer, you say there's a Ganif, we couldn't find hide or hair of this Ganif. So, Venikr Balabayas El Elohim. So, the Shomer, let's call him Shmuel. Shmuel needs to go with Eli, who gave him the object, and he needs to do what? According to and maybe what he did was Shmuel stole the object. Shmuel needs to go to the Bezdin to, to convince Ailey that he did not steal it. In other words, maybe Shmuel invented a Ganif. A Ganif doesn't exist. He goes to Bezdin, and Bezdin deals with the case. And as Rashi points out from the next Basik, Bezin will make him take a shvua that he didn't steal it. Even more than that, that he didn't misuse it. He didn't try using it or picking it up or in some way covet it and hold it and think it was his even for a while and then put it back. Because if he did so, then Shmuel is responsible no matter what. So the Pusik says, no matter what the object is, because Ailey says, you know what? I don't think there was a Ganif. I think that's your fault. So if if we now, um, the Torah says, that if we, the Bezdin, hears the case, and if they realize, based on other testimony, that Shmuel indeed stole the object and kept it, and invented a sneak thief, he pays double, even though he's not really a ganef because it was given to him out of trust. But when you, this is called Toen Tainas Ganev, Toen Tainas Ganev has to pay. Now, this Shomer, 
We don't know that many details about him other than the fact that he tried to get out of it by saying there was a thief, which implies that if there's evidence that he's a thief, he's off the hook. So what does that mean? There's a certain type of shomer who isn't responsible for theft. Now, the, the Torah is talking about a situation where the man doesn't trust him. But if, if he does trust him, Shmuel gets off of the, uh, Shmuel is off the hook by, by if there is Geneva. In other words, he's Potter al-Geneva. Okay, he's Potter al-Geneva. The next Pasuk says, and why it's different. Again, we can't get into all the details here. I'm just trying to get, paint the palette, paint the picture in broad strokes. What happens in this second case? Umes has a heart attack. Nishbard breaks its leg. And maybe is, it's an animal that's therefore, um, at that point, not really uh, practical to keep and has lost all its value. Oh, Nishba, or it's been stolen by pirates. But there's no person to back up what occurred. Ain Roe. Again, there needs to be a Shavua. This is where we say there's a Shavua in both cases. Let's assume now Ailey takes Shmuel to Bezdin. Once again, Shmuel has to make a Shavua that he did not misuse it, he doesn't really have it. So Eli, who's the owner of the object, despite the fact that he's given it to Shmuel, okay, the three examples here are things that we call ones, a heart attack, a broken leg, marauders coming in. Those are all called onsim. Geneva, although it's not tech, you didn't do it, is not an ones. Therefore, the next Pusik makes clear, Geneva, you would have to pay. Even though Chan and Columbo say clearly there was a Geneva, that doesn't get Shmuel off the hook. So now the question, of course, is why? Didn't you just say that if there is a Ganif, Shmuel's off the hook? So yes, yes. Uh, are you intending to make a distinction by using yes. the word Geneva as opposed to Gazela? No, 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 no. What I'm what I'm going to say is is that on the surface, these verses contradict each other, right? In other words, the first description indicates that a Geneva would be your get out of free card. You wouldn't have to pay for the item. The second scenario tells you that Geneva is not that the the the, the, the what the shomer needs to taina what the shomer needs to say is something of a much higher level than Geneva, mace nishbar o nishba. They can't be talking about the same case, and this is not me talking. This is Chazal. So Chazal differentiate between the two type of shomer. And therefore, they logically adduce that Shomer number one, who's Potter on Geneva, it must be that there's a reason why he's not as responsible. What could it be? So the answer Chazal came up with is a Shomer that you pay increases his level of responsibility. That Shomer number one, who is Potter on Geneva, is a, called a Shomer Chinam. Doesn't say in the Torah that he's a Shomer Chinam, but Chazal adduce it based on the contradiction between these verses. Okay, I th- this is my question. I I, yes. I think I get that, but I, I'm just wondering whether um, Geneva, the specific use of okay, the word all right. So there are two types of Ganovim. Okay, you're right, Bob. Uh, a Ganov. Uh, let, let me explicate. Okay, thievery and robbery. Yes. Yeah, so in other words, if Richard, if you have a goslin who is a, a, a thug, 
especially if he's a listen mezuyan, as the Gemara calls uh, uh, Overt and... and, and, but, and oh, but also he, someone who threatens violence or and, and, and shows the capacity for violence in his, in his, in his, is ripping away this object from you. So then that's already an ones, right? Now, Bob, there might be a level in the middle where he doesn't have a gun, he doesn't have a knife, he's not Schwarzenegger, and you're not Wally Cox, but you're walking with the item, and he runs by and pulls it away from you. It could be, Bob, that that might qualify as, hey, you should have, you, you should have pulled back. So Nishba implies like a pirate who swoops down and therefore like, you know, blindsides you in a way that you couldn't have, you couldn't have uh, stood up against it. So you're correct. Many times we have an idea of a goslin as someone who is so aggressive and so scary that, hey, man, you're not going to endanger your life for it. Whereas the Ganif is someone who, sn- who was a sneak thief, who, like it says, he, he left your, he, he broke into your house. He he got through your alarm. You you didn't leave the windows locked. So that's part of the reason why, and I'm happy you're bringing it up, that we consider a Geneva like, hmm, we can blame you for that. Now, even though, okay, right, we can blame you. It's not your fault, but it maybe it is. You're not the one who did it, but you could have done better. If I'm paying you, then don't put it in the room that everybody could see it because the windows were open. If I'm paying you, then be smarter. If I'm paying you, then obviously you live in a, 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 a high-risk neighborhood that break-ins happen all the time, then you should have taken this to some other place and not kept it in your house. In other words, Geneva, the assumption is that uh, if you're getting paid, then you should have been able to protect against it. And that's, again, that's the Mishpat Tzedek here, right? That's a Mishpat Tzedek. I don't know if that would be civil law. I would assume that in, in Judge Judy or Judge Wapner or any of the other uh, uh, small claims court cases, and you could show there was a Geneva, you have video that someone came into your house, that you would probably get off the hook unless there was a contract that you signed that said you're taking responsibility for it no matter what. What the Torah is saying is that there doesn't need to be a contract. And the way the rabbis interpret it is, the smallest amount of money is already enough. There's not, it's, it, there isn't even a certain amount. Because otherwise, the rabbis say, it's impractical. Because what are you going to determine? Okay, $10 an hour is enough, but five isn't. Right? So therefore, whatever amount of money you took, Whatever amount of money you agreed to take to be the quote-unquote shomer is machai of you for Geneva. Now, also, parenthetically, something called Aveda, which is you misplace the item, that you just don't know where it is, that it's somehow lost, it might have fallen off the truck. All of those things are called Aveda, and we include them in Geneva which would be a tour for the first type of Shomer. So the first type of Shomer, since he's not getting paid, is called a Shomer Chinam. So there's a Shomer Chinam. A, a, one who's paid, the term, as you know, is called Shomer Sachar, because Sachar is money you get paid. So a Shomer Chinam is Chayiv only on something, well, obviously there's Shlichos Yad. It's Chayiv for Shlichos Yad. Is he Chayiv for anything else? So Chazal imply that he should be chayev for gross negligence. Now, it's not in the Torah anywhere, specifically, but it's logical, Chazal say. If we know he left the barn door open, if we know, again, it's not a question of putting the heavy-duty locks. If he did something which is, can be objectively called a pshia. So I said, it. Uh, let's say, example, let's say that it's such a high-risk neighborhood a geneva could be considered a pshia. So pshia is a very interesting term. 
because it means negligence. And we know that that could really depend on the reality on the ground. So Chazal did not want to give a Shomer Chinam complete immunity. And the reason was, was because, or else what does it mean that someone is taking it? What does it mean that someone takes control? There's got to be some level of responsibility when you take an object from somebody else. It can't just be that, well, okay, you don't want to hold it, I'll hold it. It has to be that that holding implies a responsibility. And it's got to be somewhere. So what's the responsibility? What we call gross, that you can't be negligent. But once you have some sort of extenuating factor, even though we, you should have put on better locks, maybe, we can't say, no, you weren't getting paid. You did something called a shmira pusa, a shmira that was considered bargain basement, but basically a shmira. Whereas for a shomer, we want a shmira me'ula. So those are the two shomrim that the Torah uh, speaks about. Then the Torah gets into this. Um, again, the Torah then, of course, writes that, once again, that you're not chayev for an ones. And then we get to the third type of shomer. Okay, not really a shomer. Because the point is, you want something. I said before, Eli gave it to Shmuel. Here, Shmuel comes to Eli. Shmuel wants Eli's object. It sounds like it's an animal, because it says Vinishbar. And Nishbar earlier meant an animal. So let's assume it's a, it's a donkey. Shmuel wants Eli's donkey. And it dies. I'm sorry, it breaks a leg or dies. Then it says a verse, part of this verse. And now we get really to the meat of the subject. Balav ein imo shalem yishalem. If Eli is not with him, then I'm sorry, let me say it again. If Eli is not with him, then Shmuel pays. Now, let's read it again. Nishbar, omes, is something that we have designated as an ones before. We said before that even if you're paid for something, certain things are beyond your control, no matter how much you're paid. But if you borrow something, you will pay. With one stipulation, though, so on one level, this responsibility that Shmuel has for the Ailey's donkey is incredible. It includes a heart attack. It includes a broken leg. And it would also include pirates coming down. It would include everything. However, as we can see, it's predicated on the fact that Ailey is not with him. Let's see the next passage. In Baal of Emo, lo yishalem. If Ailey is with him, there's no payment. Chazal obviously ask right away, however you interpret this, it's repetitive. It already says here, if the owner's not with him, you'll pay. It repeats it and says, if the owner's with him, he won't pay. The Torah doesn't need to be so specific. One time of writing that would be enough. So, a shoel is the ultimate responsibility. Even owns him. I, when I teach this to my classes, I say, even if aliens come in from outer space and take this donkey, you have to pay. You, there's no way you could have stopped them. They had Groot. They had laser beams. 
They had everything. You are a showel, you have to pay. No, no excuses. Now, im socherhu bo bischoro. Now, this part is strange. Im socherhu. Now, are we talking about Shmuel who's borrowing it? Are we saying if Shmuel is a renter and not a borrower? Is that what it means? I mean, we're not talking about borrowers. That's the way Rashi learns. Rashi says, So according to Rashi, Pasuk Yudalid is giving us a fourth type of person called a socher, a renter. So a renter is a little bit in between the two cases. In the first two cases, Ailey needs the favor. And Shmuel agrees. In one case, he'll take money for that favor, and therefore his responsibility is greater. In the second case, the Shoel, Shmuel wants a favor. And Ailey does him a great favor. He doesn't charge him a cent. He gives him the donkey gratis. Whatever, seemingly whatever Shmuel wants to do with it. Therefore, Shmuel's responsibility is great. The Gemara calls this Kohano Shalo. You let the guy have it to do everything. You didn't limit it. You didn't tell him to watch it. You let him use it. So since he used it for free, his level of responsibility is great. That's the risk he took. It's implied, even if you don't say anything. Again, talk about Mishpat Tzedek here. So what is the Socher then? Rashi says, he's somewhere in the middle. He wants the object, but he's willing to pay for it. So as Rashi says, let's look at Rashi and Chumash here. Bo b'schoro v'yara Socher. V'lo b'shelo. V'ein kol hanoshelo. Meaning, a Shoel gets total hano out of it without paying a cent. He wanted that donkey for the, for the birthday party. He wanted that donkey to play in the hundred acre wood with Piglet and, 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 and Winnie and everyone else. He wanted that donkey and he used it. He got all the hano. Here, although he was able to take the donkey for the A.A. Milne um, dress-up party, it happened in Chodesh Iyer, right? So he was able to, he was able uh. to, he was, a, he was able to take the donkey to the party, but he paid for it. He paid for the right to use the donkey for the A.A. Milne dress-up party. So Rashi is explaining why he doesn't, he's not chayah for onsen. So therefore, then Rashi says, but what is he? So in other words, the way Rashi learns, im if Shmuel rents it from Eli, bo, the item comes, the item comes to his hands, based on the money Shmuel pays. It didn't come free into his hands. It came into his hands by paying. And since he paid for it, therefore his level of responsibility of protection is less. But then Rashi says, but we're not sure how responsible is he? Is he like a Shomer Chinam? What would be a Shomer Chinam? That would mean that he's only chayiv for pshia. It's very interesting. If you think about this in this case, let's assume the, the rental price for the donkey for the day is $25. Okay. The donkey itself is probably is worth, let's say, $150. That's a pretty steep price, right? So Shmuel could say, okay, I understand the donkey got stolen. But hey, theft doesn't usually happen and you you rent that donkey out 
um, for uh, six days, you've already paid the price of your donkey. So $25 is a lot of money to pay. So maybe I'm not chayev for Geneva. The reason is, is because I did pay you a good amount of money. Now, it doesn't really make a difference how much was paid. Whatever they agree on, I agreed this is the price you asked for. So Shmuel can tell Ailey, look, you expected me uh, for not to get stolen? I was giving you money. You would have gotten the object back a day later pretty much the same way you had it. You got a decent amount of money or you rented this object. So therefore, that should be a, a, a factor that should limit my responsibility. That's one opinion. That's Rev. Mayer's opinion. Rev. Yehuda says, no, that since I use it, in other words, Rev. Yehuda said, Rev. Mayer, I don't get it. You want to say this guy's like a Shomer Chinam? A Shomer Chinam is a paid Bailey, an unpaid Bailey, who's not supposed to use the object. So, of course, the only thing he's responsible for is gross negligence. Whereas a shomer, uh, this guy, true, he he gave Ailey money, but he used the darn thing. Ailey gave him, he does able to use it, he should be more responsible. And therefore, he's as, as responsible as any shomer socher, which means the only pturi has his own sim, but he will be chayef for Geneva. So Rashi doesn't answer we, by the way, halachically, we in Rameyer of to argue, we generally paskin like Rav Yehuda. Now, Rashi in Chumash is not paskinic. Rashi in Chumash is showing you that this idea is open to possibilities. So there we have our four shomer. Okay? One thing I've, I, I've, I've uh, consciously skipped, and that is this idea of bail of emo. And that really, as I said, is the specter of the owner that hovers over this. Let me read you the Rashi, which is based on the Gemaris and Bava Metziah. I want to tell you that, again, this is one of the halachas that people who don't learn Gemara are always surprised. I'm going to do the Rashi with you right now. Rashi says, Bailov ain emo, im bailov shoshor, eno im hashoel bimalachto. This is where he pays. He pays if the owner of the shore, we called him Ailey, is not somehow engaged with Shmuel in work that Shmuel wants. Now, does that mean they're partners? Rashi explains it in the next passage. Im bailav imo, bain shahu ba'osa Whether Ali is with Shmuel, let's say, in the party business. We said that, that, that Shmuel makes parties based on the A.A. Milne characters. So let's say Ailey is part of that job. Is he doing that job with him? That he's, so then it sort of makes sense, right? That he was with him, Right? And therefore, you say, okay, I, I lent it to you, but you were there too. So since you were there too, you should be responsible. But then Rashi says, Even if he's not part of the A.A. Milne, Winnie the Pooh-themed parties, even if he does another job for Shmuel. Okay, what other job is he doing? He does Shmuel's taxes. Ailey is an accountant, and Ailey is on the payroll to be doing taxes for Shmuel. So Ailey's an accountant, and he's working up in the 15th floor, going through reams of paperwork, emails, checking stuff. 
Shmuel knocks on his door and says, hey, Eli, you got a donkey, right? Um, yeah. Can I borrow it? So, he says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Call up, call up Jennifer, my wife. She'll get you, she'll arrange it. I think it's okay. He's out in the barn. Yeah, you can take it for that AA Milne party. He wasn't there at all. He's working for you, though. He's your accountant. Let's say he was the accountant when, when Shmuel borrowed it. He borrows it for, he turns out that it's a month-long Winnie the Pooh celebration. A month-long. April 15th, Shmuel says, I'm finished. I'm not working for you anymore. Your taxes are done. See ya. Ailey says. But the Chamor is there for the next two weeks. On a week later, some fat kid jumps on the back of the Chamor, breaks its back. Shmuel doesn't have to pay. Where's Ailey? Ailey went home two weeks ago. He packed up his pencils and papers and he left. That's, there's a p'tur. He's Potter. Why? He wasn't there. He wasn't overseeing it. There was a technicality. At the time that Shmuel wanted the donkey, Ailey was working on Shmuel's taxes. That's enough to make him Potter. Hmm. Why? Now, if you take a look at the Eben Ezra, Eben Ezra here says, Eben Ezra says, Bailov Enimo, Lafi Adasayanira, it would seem if you look at this logically, Kimashmao, meaning he's got to be with him when the accident occurs. But, kasher histakalnu ma shihitiko akadmonim. When I see what the kadmonim have said, which is chazal, the way I just explained it, rinu shagam nochon. We see that that's also true. What would be the pshat? The Ebenezer in the Biur Sheni explains it. Bechiyishal al derech pshat. Balav in Imo means v'yocholitan al vashoel sheichbet al behemto. Al pipshat, the owner seeing what's going on. So if the owner's not there, the owner can say, the reason why you pay is because I don't know what you did. You told me it was just meant for a little party. You let Fatso sit on it. You let 20 kids sit on the donkey. I don't know. I wasn't there. That's the reason why I'll peep shot every show well pays for owns it. Because the owner can say, you misused it. But if the owner was there, then the owner knows it wasn't misused. Or if it was, he would have said something. That's the pshat. But Chazal, like, which is voiced by Rashi, disagreed. The Ebn Ezra, once again, sort of playing devil's advocate here, says, well, pshat sounds like I'm right but it could be Chazal is also Nochon. Now, where did Chazal come from to say this? Chazal essentially is based on the stira in the Psukim. The, 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 the fact that the Psukim have to say a double. The fact that the Psukim have to Repeat it. And you can see it here in the Mechilta. The Mechilta says that, why does it tell me here, Balav ein imo? Yishalem, it already says in the next Pusik, 
Balev and Emo Shalem. What does that have to say, Lo Yishalem? So based on the, the repetition of this principle, Chazal are able to say, as you can see here from the Mechilta, we don't know, with this is the Pasuk we need, Yud Gimel, uh, to tell us that if the owner's not there, that there needs to be a payment. We already have the next Pasuk that says that. It must be, Pamim it must be by the fact that the Torah wrote it twice that it's not pshat like the Eben Ezra says. It must be that if a person, and again, we'll use the same names again. Shmuel borrows Eli's cow and he asks Eli to be the wrangler. Or, Hasocher esapara, Vesocher bala ima. Let's say he rents the cow, and, and he also rents Eli to work as a wrangler. Or, he borrows and then decides to pay for Ailey, or borrows and then decides, pays and decides to borrow uh, the, the cow as well. Even though the owner is someplace else, it's Potter. If first you borrow the cow, and then you hire Ailey. Then you're Chayev. Because it's all about the moment that it's borrowed. Ain Liela Shoel. The Mechilta continues. What about a Shomer Chinam? And no Seisochar and a Socher? Do they have the same Dinim? So now... The Chazal want to take this halacha, that Bailov Imo is potter. And let me reiterate, based on Chazal and the Mechilta, the Gemara and Bava Metziah, based on the Psukim that repeat each other, based on all this tradition that the Ebenezer calls the Kadmonim, you have an illogical halacha, seemingly. That it all is dependent on the fact that at the moment the item was borrowed, the owner of the item, the owner of the item was in some way working for the borrower. Was either, and not necessarily for money, the Gemara says. Even if he was working for free, he was being borrowed by the owner. By of emo, even if you're not paying him anything. He was doing you a favor as an accountant. But he was in some way connected to you as a waiter, an accountant, a painter, cleaning up, whatever it was. If he was in some sort of pre-existing relationship that gave him some responsibility towards something of you or serving you, you are potter from whatever happens to the item. Chazal say even further that this is true, the Ptur of Bail of Emo, as you can see, and I'm going to show you again from the Mechilta, and it's repeated in the Gemara Bava Metziah, and Daftzadi Dawid Hei and Vav. Ainli El Shoel. That's a Shoel. What about a Shomer Chinam where the owner is your accountant. Or let's say where you've been paid, but you also, you, he's paying you to watch his item, but he's also working for you as an accountant or a painter. 
or even a renter. He came to rent the donkey, but he's also working as your accountant. Minayan, how would you know that in this case, you're putter for everything? Now, it's got to, now, if we're extending it to Shomer Chinam, we mean you're even putter for what? For Pshia. You're even putter for negligence. Amrit Kalvachomer. Ma Shoel. A shoel is potter. So a shomer chinam, who normally is anyway potter, except everything from pshia, or a nose sochar, that's potter from uh, onsim and from, from Martians, and he's only chai for geneva, for sure he should be potter for if it's shmira babaylam. Now, one last thing. From the fact that it says Yishalem twice, it reiterates the Mechilta says that a Shoal pays for everything, assuming that there's no Bail of Emo, except something called Mesa Bishas Melocha. I didn't speak about this yet. And this is an interesting. Um, aspect of civil law. The show is high for almost everything. Except if when you said you want you, let's say it's not for the A.A. Milne party. You want to get up to the top of Mount McKinley. And you go over, Shmuel says to Ailey, Ailey, I've got to go to the top of Mount McKinley. It's, it's on my bucket list. Can I can I borrow your donkey for the trip? Mount McKinley, right? 23,000 feet? Yeah. You can borrow it. Shmuel takes the donkey up Mount McKinley. And when they get to the 12,000 foot level, the donkey keels over and dies. Since that was what Shmuel borrowed the item for, Martians would have been okay. <laughs> Had Martians descended down and, and swooped him up from Mount McKinley, Shmuel would have paid. But if, 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 if the donkey keels over from what Shmuel asked to do the job for, that, then you're put. That's called Mesa Machmas Malocha. Okay. Let's put that on the side. If Bail of Emo is Potter, not only is it Potter for Shoel illogically, as we see from Rashi and Chazal, it's also Potter for the others, for Shomer Socher, for Shomer Chinam, and for Socher. Why? He's not there. He's only an accountant. What does this mean? What is the rationale behind this? So, this is one of the conundrums that Are you I don't know whether you were asking this rhetorically, Rabbi Kivalevich, but as you were describing it, and, and you don't need to respond to this. You could just say, well, that, that's not what I had no, in no, mind. No, 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 go ahead. Uh, I, I was thinking that if there was a pre-existing relationship between Shmuel and Ailey, and uh, Shmuel was all, already engaged with Ailey in some way, let's say that he was being paid by him, uh, I'll, I use that as a convenient example, then if then Shmuel wants to borrow something from him, uh, you have to consider a sense of responsibility on the part of of uh, Ailey in that he, uh, whatever it is he's getting paid, if, if, he, if Shmuel asked to borrow it for free, he could say no, because look, you know, that's not part of uh, the agreement on which, under which we're operating. So I can understand um, perhaps that the exactly the issue that you focused on, if they already had an existing relationship, the, then um, certainly Ailey would be well within his rights to set 
whatever terms of, of either borrowing it or renting it or whatever it is that, that uh, Shmuel wants to do based on how he's already involved uh, with, uh, okay. with Shmuel. Right, but, but you're, you're correct, Bob. You're on your way to trying to figure this out because clearly it's not like a stranger that you're borrowing from. You're borrowing from someone who, in a way, you're giving a job to. So in a way, you're saying Ailey feels somewhat indebted to Shmuel that he's getting paid, let's say in the case where he's his accountant. So he's doing the job and he likes it. He likes the fact that Ailey is one of his clients. Uh, um, Shmuel likes the, uh, again, Ailey likes the fact that Shmuel is one of his clients. That's true. But Bob, you're going to have to say that somehow when Shmuel borrows the chamor, it's not like borrowing from a stranger. Somehow, Ailey, we believe, mentally lowers the bar of how much responsibility Shmuel has. And he lowers that responsibility because of the pre-existing relationship. Right? That's what you're, that's what you're trying to say. Yeah. Now, so this is a tremendous implication, right? You have to, you have to, especially if we take it to a shomer, right? We take it to a shomer too, right? We're saying in a shomer, chinam, according to the mechilta, you would be potter for pshia. In other words, because I'm your accountant, when I give you this object, I actually am giving you, I'm, I'm letting you off the hook, even for gross negligence. Do you, do you see how far we have to take this? It's incredible, really. Who would enter in such a uh, relationship? <laughs> well, um, and, 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 uh, and again, you know, you, if you take a look at, 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 let me show you some of the, I mean, there are a tremendous attempts, as you can see, that Ezra says, well, I guess Chazal are right. <laughs> um, it's strange if you look in, in, in the Cheskuni, the Cheskuni actually explains this totally far cared from Chazal. <laughs> and, in, in, and again, he's obviously influenced by Ibn Ezra. Let me show you. Uh, this is Pasuk. So the two Pesukim are Yud Gimel and Yud Dalet. So here's Pasuk Yud Gimel. Chiyishol Okay, so the bylove is the mashil. That would be Ailey. Shalem Yishalem, who has to pay? Shmuel, Kishanishparo Mace, Lefishakola no Shalukai Bonsela, Diochola Mashalito, Nala Shoel, Sheikh Bin Albehemto, which is basically what Ebenezra says. But it's in the next Pasik that the Chiskuni really gets inventive. It says, "Im bailav imo lo yishale, im socher hu bo b'schoro." Rashi says, "Socher means a new type of relationship, a socher." Let's look at the chizkuni here. Chizkuni says, "Avo im bailav shol bechema, im ashoel b'shas misa, lo yishaleim shum davar." Now like Chazal. Chazal say it's about Shas Sheila. But he says that based on Eben Ezra, he, he, he becomes an Eben. Now, he's one of the Baleatoisvis, the Chizkuni. It's interesting that he sort of he jumps onto the Pshat track here. He says, if, if the owner of the animal is there when the animal dies, you don't have to pay. Not according to Chazal, but the Pshat. In the Baal Lishoel, if, again, we use Shmuel and Eli again, if Eli is a Sochir who, not a Sochir, but he is working for Shmuel, Vinishper Abakema Omesa. Then lo In other words, if he's there when it dies, 
if he's there working with it, watching it at the party, okay, you're off the hook. But if he is an accountant for him, he's on the clock or, and, he's, and, and he's being paid to work for him in some other area, then Shmuel has to pay. Why? Sharehu bo bischoro. Because, well, you're going to connect the animal to me? No. I'm working on this on these papers to get your taxes ready. I'm not Meshubit to you. Because if I was with you together at the at the party, it's one thing. But if I'm being paid to work on your taxes somewhere else, my relationship is limited to this. And therefore, according to the Kaskuni, this is all explaining the case of Shoel. Let's read it again. In Bailav Emo, if the owner is there, as you can see, when the death occurs, he doesn't pay. But if he's there, but he's working someplace else as a Sochir, then that's not connected to this death. And the fact that he has this pre-existing relationship has nothing to do with the responsibility Shmuel has over the animal. Bo Bischoro, which is, Bob, if you think about it, is the exact opposite of Chazal. Chazal is actually the total exact opposite. In other words, in Pshat, this Pasuk is actually the reverse of Chazal. That if the owner is there when the bad event occurs, the death, the, the, the breakage, then we say, hmm, Owner, you were there. You should have been more responsible. However, if the owner is somehow a worker for the person who borrowed it, then that relationship is totally defined by the money that's being paid to do the taxes. It has nothing to do with the animal and its and its loss. Now, it that's, even, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Richard. Uh, that seems even more logical. The Hiskuni, if you're Working right. on somebody's taxes, you would be focused on the taxes, and you wouldn't. The animal exactly. So, but we know though the Chiskuni, who is really Eben Ezra's student, is really out of bounds of Chazal. That's not what. Oh, that's not our tradition. Rashi, as you saw from the Mechilta, as I mentioned from the Gemara, really learns the exact opposite. It's all about what occurs at the moment of Sheila. So, Pshat is logical. Now, Bob is trying to make a case against this, right, Bob, that even if you are, that it's only because you were an accountant that somehow it means something different or whatever I was doing for you, it means something different when I right. went to the animal. I'm saying it would affect his choice about whether to, uh, to let him borrow it. Yeah. And it's, and, and it's, let's say it better, Bob. It's almost like he's giving up his rights, right? In other words, normally, as I said, it's a trade-off. Look, I know you don't have a, a, a force field to stop the Martians from attacking. But on the other hand, I gave you an item for free, right? I gave you an item for free, and you had total use of it. Now, you're right. Maybe the Martians could have gotten from me, gotten from you. But you know what? You had it for the day. Martians came down. You owe me that amount of money. I don't want to hear about uh, about the license plate of the of, of the spaceship. No, the Martians came down. They took. You know what? I gave you the thing for you. I didn't charge you a set. What you what Bob I think is trying to say is is that since I sort of feel something towards you, I almost feel a pressure to give it to you. I almost feel like this is sort of a fringe of the fact. Right, Bob? It's a fringe of, of, of our relationship. It's like an extension of that relationship. And therefore, I don't have the same demands. And now, if that's true, that that's going to carry over to every relationship. Now, my question is, again, can we beef this as something logical? Or is this an example of something that, again, from the Chizkuni's point of view, if it's true... This is an example of a chok, right? This is an example of something that goes counter to logic. 
right? That's right and, to me. What? So, so therefore, and yet it, it, it actually governs Jewish law. It's like a get out of jail free card. You don't pay. Okay. Uh, were you working for him, by the way? Um, Rabbi Kivalevich? Yes. Okay. I, I, I think the way you put it out is very clear, and I like the way you put it out. I just want to make plain that, that there is a subtlety here. I'm saying that if you already know this guy and you have a relationship with him, I'm talking about uh, Ailey. Uh, right. If he already knows Shmuel because he's doing work for him and everything else, if if he feels that his being paid as an accountant uh, by Shmuel, whatever price they agreed on was uh, the right price, and then then Shmuel asked something else of him, he could certainly say because we already have this relationship maybe you're not paying me enough that you have to use my donkey this is a backhanded way of getting something from me because i work for you so we're assuming that people have free choice and they can decide not to enter into an agreement because they at least have a certain level of knowledge of of someone they do business with okay um, I hear what you're saying, Bob. Um, let, let me show you a little bit here. Um, let's see. Is it here? Number one. Um, maybe it's number two here. One second. Um, so the Sforno unlike Chizkuni and Eben Ezra, goes with Chazal. Bimelachto b'shas she'ila. It's all about what happened at the moment it was borrowed. Lo yishalem. You don't pay. Why? Shestam mashil. Whenever a person borrows something, lends something to someone, who he has a relationship with. Bikir of Das who knows Saint Matona, Al What he means is, let me explain what this means. I need to mute you guys because somebody's eating potato chips. Okay. When a person, and we called him Ali. When Ailey gives Shmuel something in a situation like this, where he's Shmuel's accountant, when he gives it, it's not a borrowed item. It's called a gift. It's a gift that I hope you'll return. Now, Kaven Shalohisna. Now he didn't make it a, a stipulation. A stipulation would be a tnai. He said, we know, for example, if no one in town, only one person in town has the rule of an Esro on the first day of Sukkot. So you can give it to your friend as a matana almanas lahachsir, which means I'm giving it totally to you. You own it, but the stipulations, you have to give it back. And if you don't give it back, it turns out you stole it. But here, listen to the difference. It's called matana aldas lahachsir. I want to give this to you, but I hope, but my, obviously I'd like to get it back, but I didn't step, I didn't stipulate that. So if that's true, you know, that's what Ailey, Shmuel knows that's what Ailey wants. So if the animal's alive, if the donkey's alive, he has to give it back. But not if it's not alive, not if the aliens took it, not if, if it breaks its neck. Even though you want to say, let's say by the lulav, let's say I give Bob, we're in Memphis, there's only one lulav. And I can tell you sometimes there was only one lulav in the Antres Fard, maybe it's going to be three or four. But I was there often when there was only two or three lulavim in the whole show. They had one for the, for, in the Bima that, that, you know, that Coleman Katz bought. But but basically, 
you could have a situation where Chazal speak about. So let's say I give Bob the 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 uh, the lulav, and it turns out a hurricane comes and whisks the thing away, blows it away down the street, over the Mississippi bluff, and it's gone. Well, too bad, Bob. You weren't Yotze the Mitzvah because it was Matana Manas here. Al Manas. That was a Tanai. And the Tanai was, you didn't give it back. I'm not saying it's your fault, but it didn't get back to me. So therefore, it's Mavato the Matona, and therefore, it's as if you stole it, and you didn't fulfill the Mitzvah of Lula that day. But this is not a Matona. Al Manas. This is called Al Das here without a Tanai. Which means that if it turns out that the aliens come, that the animal breaks its neck, the matana is still a matana. So he nay kozman shehi biyada mekabel he shelo. Really, what this means is is that that when when you have a pre-existing relationship with someone, and he asks for something, he might say, "Can I borrow?" But what you mean is. I'm letting you have it. It's yours. For as long as you want it and as you need it, of course, I'd like it back now that you're finished using it. But it's yours. Even if you never return it to me, it was totally yours regardless of what occurred. And therefore, therefore, you can't be responsible for anything, even if I could show you were grossly negligent. That is the Sferno's explanation, Bob, of Chazal. He try, he's trying to, let me explain something. The Sferno is a very famous biblical commentator. But it's, a very, it's a very ironic that this man who made his living teaching Christians, basically, he was known as a, a wonderful parshan, but his parnasa was teaching in a monastery or in a some place where Christians would come. I don't know if he had to be a priest to get in, but in the Renaissance, in the high Renaissance era, there was a tremendous interest in learning Lashna Kodesh and learning the Bible in its original. And the Sferno was a master teacher uh, in explaining things. That's why he's so great at many of the things that he writes. He is writing for non-Jews in, in some ways. At least he developed his ideas. So you can imagine that this was something that in the monastery or in the university was being discussed. Why? It seemed to be counter. It seemed to be illogical. Now, this Sferno wasn't ready to sort of do the number that I was doing, which is, well, here you see, it's all about some sort of mystery of God's will. The Sferno decided to say that this was based on a, a and, he, and, he, and he gave it halachic teeth. He said, whenever you're in this situation, there's a kiruv das, there's an assumed kiruv das between these people. And therefore, it's different than when you go to a stranger. Sounds like the uh, changes in the Septuagint. <laughs> you, you mean that you make it palatable to the non-Jews. Right, but it, but it found its way into... Well, look what he says here, Bob. <laughs> and the tradition is like that. Eben Ezra was the Pied Piper. Well, this is the Pshat. The, what they say is also good, although it's totally opposite. <laughs> but, you know, the Eben Ezra does not want to be... Uh, does not want to be outed, not that he was, but doesn't want to be seen as being a co-fair. Right? Well, yeah, this is also good. But his student, the Chizkuni, who went after him, yeah, exactly the opposite of Chazal. Desferno, on the other hand, says, well, the Kabbalah is your potter, kol shomer and it makes sense. So in other words, because and you can see what he was trying to do. Um, is, is, does it does, is it really true? Is it really true that whenever a person has a relationship, that everything that he does is a byproduct of that original relationship? 
in other words, right? So it's 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 almost like we we talked about a couple of weeks ago the Rabbeinu Yonah's opinion on losir the bow. Remember about pressuring someone to do stuff for you. Rabbeinu said that if you have a superior relationship with someone where that person feels like under you, you can't order him to do stuff because he's forced to do it. This, and that's in Chazal. This sounds somewhat similar to that. That when there's a relationship there, it colors everything. If he is somehow with you, if even though all he was was a paid accountant, a painter, a waiter, that changes every interrelationship that you have with him. To the point that you can use that as a way to get out of paying even when you were grossly negligent. Because... But- Yes, go ahead. Go ahead, Richard. But but if you state a condition, that obviates this whole situation. Okay, great. This gets. Do you have a right to stipulate against the standard of the Torah? And the answer is yes, as long as you say it's a specific exception here. The Torah what gives you the gives you the, the what the judges should do if there's no pieces of paper, there's no documentation. There's no other source. It's just like, oh, what do we know about this case? All right, what did you say? You wanted to borrow it. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, when you borrowed it, uh, were you in any way, shape, or form connected, Ailey? Um, let me think. Uh, I was doing his taxes. Um, or Ailey can say, well, you know what? He asked me when I was helping him set up for his son's bar mitzvah. Uh-huh. Judges? We're giving you off. <laughs> that's that. Now that would be that. That's if we take this, Bob and Richard and, and, and Jonathan and Michael. That we take this as logical. But there's another side of this coin that we're going to see whether we can see this as a, a, a sign of of something beyond that we somehow have to be macabre. So we'll, we'll, we'll table it. Hashem. I think we made a good start here. Uh, uh, Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.